get it monday april 6th 2020 born the battle brought to you by the department of veterans affairs the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources offices and benefits for our veterans i am your host marine corps veteran tanner iskra hope everyone had a great week outside of podcast land last friday was my birthday and i took the day off so what if i'm locked indoors with a stay-at-home order i still got to do the things that make me happy and for me it means taking the day off every year on the day that i was born and i hope you're continuing to do the things around your home that are keeping you happy when all this is over i can tell you that i'm gonna go do a half birthday and finally go to my favorite steakhouse one review came in this week well right after i recorded last week so about a week and a half ago with uh two episodes a week it's getting a little tricky to keep track of of when these come in but uh but we'll get there this uh this one comes from monster tracks monster tracks like bigfoot or maybe like nascar because it was like the monster cup energy series for a bit i don't know i digress monster tracks says Episode 187, I had the pleasure of serving under Lieutenant Commander Iskra on board the USS Opportune. Because of my pride of service with her, my young adult daughters were raised to know that anything is possible. I personally want to thank you for your work in equality for women everywhere. Monster Tracks, thank you very much for that review. Darlene Iskra was the last in-person interview that I had and possibly the last in-person interview that I will have for the foreseeable future. I can't tell you how great it was finding out that the first woman to ever command a Navy ship had the same unique last name as me and that the similarities didn't end there. We still uh, email back and forth and are finding that our families are that we're, are both pretty closely sourced from the same area of Croatia. So it's been a great time getting to know her. And you're right. She is just a trailblazer for uh, female service members everywhere. And thank you for sending us that five stars. Got a couple more ratings. Thank you for those. Uh, remember, the more you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, the better chance other veterans out in podcast land get a chance to listen in and hear not only these great stories, but the benefits breakdown episodes and the information provided in the news releases. Speaking of news releases, we got one for you since the last coronavirus update episode. It says, for immediate release, VA expands virtual services to support veterans amid regional office closures due to COVID-19 pandemic. Veterans continue to receive benefits and services after the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Veteran Benefits Administration temporarily closed its 56 regional offices to the public on March 19th in response to COVID-19. Many in-person services are already available via the phone or online through virtual options like VA Video Connect. BBA has and continues to adjust to ensure the safety and well-being of its clients and staff. The changes include uninterrupted GI Bill payments, and we reported on that a couple episodes ago. So students continue to receive their benefits unaffected by any change from in-person to online learning. Supporting students for educational counseling through online and telephone services. Connecting veterans to vocational rehabilitation and employment services through teleconferencing by providing case management and general counseling virtually through VA Video Connect. Informal conference hearings by telephone or video teleconferencing when needed. Collecting information to process fiduciary claims by telephone when necessary other accommodations will be arranged. By collecting information remotely via phone or teleconference when possible to process grant requests for special adaptive housing. Conducting examinations for disability benefits using telecompensation and pension 
otherwise known as tele-CNP exams. If an in-person examination is required, veterans will be notified for their scheduling. And also, effective March 30th, VA will discontinue VA benefits briefings and services on military installations for transitioning service members and their family through the Interagency Transition Assistance Program, so otherwise known as TAPS, until further notice. However, VA will provide virtual briefings and individualized counseling for transitioning service members where possible. Service members who have not received these briefings are, as required by TAP, may access the Joint Knowledge Online platform and register for the VA Benefits and Services course. If you have any questions about benefits, how to file a claim online, or or if you want to call for specific claim questions, please call 1-800-827-1000. Also, I got this in an email. Uh, the Veteran Canteen Services are still open and groceries are now available. The ad says you can order ahead bulk groceries such as frozen meat, vegetables, deli meat, cheese, lasagna, and more. Or visit your BCS retail store for expanded grocery and essential items such as milk, bread, hot dogs, and the big one, toiletries. Availability, of course, varies by location. Check with your local canteen at your local VA medical center for more information. All right, so this episode is from a couple of months back. And this episode was held up to the new, how do I say it, internal processes. It was right after our veteran actor panel where we discussed the state of military film. A couple of those veterans who were actors were involved in the film, Last Full Measure, which was released in theaters on January 24th. It's a film depicting the actions of Medal of Honor recipient A1C PJ, William H. Pitsenbarger. This week's guests were two men that were there and witnessed Pitsenbarger's valor on the battlefield and fought the battle in D.C. to ensure that Pitsenbarger's award was upgraded to that Medal of Honor some 34 years later. They are Army veterans Phil Hall and Fred Navarro. Enjoy. I have in front of me, or I have on the phone with me, Phil Hall and Fred Navarro. Did I say those names correctly? Yes, you did. All right. And, yes, you did. And uh, if you could just say who who's Phil and who is Fred. I'm Phil Hall. Gotcha. And I'm Fred Navarro. Very good. Very good. Gentlemen, let's start by telling me where you're both from. I'm from uh, southeastern Wisconsin. I grew up in a small town surrounded by state forest and agricultural land named Eagle. The town is called Eagle, Wisconsin. Very good. And Fred? And I'm from Hutchinson, Kansas. Now, how did both of you join the Army? Uh, it was during the Vietnam War. Were either of you drafted? No, I wasn't drafted. I This is Phil. I, after high school, I worked here and always planned on going into the military and for some patriotism and also for some adventure and to see some of the world. The Vietnam War was just basically starting up. I entered the Army in August of 1964. Oh, wow. I spent basic at Fort Knox, AIT at Fort Dix, and then I went to the Army's Honor Guard, the Old Guard, and Fort Myer, Virginia, that did Honor Guard for the military district of Washington and Arlington Cemetery. In November of uh, 65, right about the time that the battle at the movie We Were Soldiers was 
happened. Yeah. All of us that were enlisted with over a year to go on our enlistment cell got orders to Vietnam, and uh, we all went to the 1st Division. I ended up in Charlie Company, 2nd Battalion, 16th Infantry. Wow. So, but before that, you were with the Old Guard. I'm very familiar with that. I was stationed at Henderson Hall myself back in 2009, okay. 2010. So, I, okay. I uh, yeah. you know, what was yeah. it? Well, yeah, I got there in time to participate in President Johnson's inaugural ball, the inaugural parade. Uh, when we pulled uh, funerals, I was on the firing party uh, for military funerals. And also at the time, they guarded, had an honor guard on President Kennedy's grave. And that was probably my favorite detail. They quit doing that right about the time that we got orders to Vietnam. To, to, they started construction of the permanent monument that's there today. So they ceased that duty then. Oh, wow. So yeah. you you actually guarded uh, Kennedy's tomb before it became the Eternal Flame. No, the Eternal Flame there was there. It was surrounded by a, if you'll remember, flashback to pictures, it was surrounded by a white picket fence. Oh, wow. And there was uh, this service camp, so the four branches of service on this little mound, and it had an eternal flame there then. Very good, very good. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Fred, did you have any any, any service before Vietnam? How did you how did you join there? I've been, I joined uh, in 1960, and after uh, two years in the Army, I graduated in 1960. The situation in South Vietnam was really getting out of hand. Yeah. And I just felt that it was the thing to do, to join the military. Very good. Why did both of you both feel the need to join the service at that time? I, I think a lot of it was we were in, I was inspired by the World War II and the service of World War II, and also that you know, it was, it, I think, in that era was a, a thing that people thought that they should do. Yeah. Yeah. Fred? Yeah, that was, that was my, that was my feeling. During that time, I felt that, that we, once we got orders from Vietnam, I felt that we, uh, we wanted to stop, uh, North Vietnam from infiltrating into the South. Gotcha. Very good. So it was, it was, you thought it was on the mind of a lot of Americans at the time. Oh, yes. Can either both, can either or both of you tell me either about a best friend you had in the military that you served with or either your greatest mentor? Well, I had a lot of best friends there. I mean, I joined the, the, the company in Vietnam. And although I was kind of the new guy, I, the, they kind of took me under their wing right, right away. My partner was a, a, a fellow by the name of John Noyce, mm -hmm. uh, who passed away about uh, uh, four years ago this coming summer. And, uh, and he was down in Audie Murphy Hospital in San Antonio. And I went down and saw him when he was in the hospital. And I went back down and, and, and did the funeral with him. And uh, he was certainly one. I had a other good buddies down in Georgia still around. He and I are still close. That's and, good. and then, of course, my, my platoon leader, Johnny Libs, we were as good friends as he still had to ha have that era of command. So, but, but he was certainly my friend and my friend today. Um, and then the last guy I would mention was a medic that came uh, to the company after the 
actually Abilene or the battle that the movie and uh, William Pitzenberger got his Medal of Honor for yeah. was a guy named Jimmy Stamey. He was a medic. He got killed in, in November of just uh, 1966. So, you know, so I had quite a few good friends. Very well. Fred and I, Fred probably don't remember because he stayed in the Army and went through a, a, a lot of people that he would have knew and passed through during uh, his time in the Army, but Fred was in a different platoon, but we actually knew each other back then. And somewhere in a slide somewhere, I have a picture of him, I haven't located it in years, so that was after Abilene and all of us had bandages on. Fred, mentors, best friends? Uh, I had a lot of of good friends in uh, Charlie Company, 2nd 16th. But I have to tell you, my best friend ended up being William H. Pittsburgh, who saved my life. Wow. Now, best friend, but you you only knew him from from that day, correct? Yes, but we became friends real fast. <laughs> I bet. When he came down on the ground. Um, um, can you both start briefly walk me through your experience of the battle? Uh, is it? How do you say that? Is it Abilene? Abilene, yes. Gotcha. Battle XKMI. It was the, the it was a rubber plantation called XKMI. So they refer to it Abilene, Operation Abilene, and the Battle XKMI. Gotcha. Very good. Yeah, that's either, that's, either what one. that's what I was seeing was XKMI. Can you start by giving me the lay of the land? What was the mission? What was the strength of the NBA and the strength of your forces for the battle? Well, the unit was a, a full-time Viet Cong battalion. And it was reinforced, so it was 600 soldiers, and they were full-time soldiers, well-equipped, and, and the, the terrain was dense, dense, triple canopy jungle. We'd hacked our way through it for a few days. We were just finishing up with the Easter Day church ceremonies with the chaplain, and somebody spotted them walking across the other end of this opening, and nobody, no one, uh, even as is with all the movement, they never spotted us, and a bunch of us jumped up on line. John lives my platoon leader, and I outran noise back to the M60 from uh, the church service, grabbed the 60, uh, Sergeant Robinson, and another guy, Leo, from another platoon, and we uh, opened up on him, and, and all three got hit. Uh, oh. one, one escaped wounded. And uh, one of them was alive enough to say that he was from the unit that we'd been searching for. So, and the next day we, in the morning, got up and started in our normal three columns. The, the day before, before we came to the clearing, my second platoon had been the point platoon, and so on that day we became the trail platoon. And, and Marty Crow, Lieutenant Crow's uh, third platoon, became the point platoon, and they made contact first. It didn't take a whole lot long to figure out that we had already walked into a a kill sack and they just uh, were surrounded us, set up, just waiting on us to get there and, and just uh, maneuvered to close the door behind us once we were in there. Yeah. Fred elaborated what he... Yeah, Fred, Fred, where does uh, Pitsenbarger fall into the story? We had several soldiers killed and wounded while fighting had just started. We needed to evacuate the wounded. So we called the Air Force for help. We yeah. met him as he came down from the helicopter. And he immediately uh, sprung into our 
compression by aiding the wounded and loading two or three of the wounded into the living. Fred, what was it like seeing uh, Pitsenbarger? Uh, you actually met him, became good friends with him. You said he saved your life. How did he save your life? After I was wounded, uh, Pitsenbarger bandaged me up and he disappeared. And later on, he came back to where I was. And the fighting really was intense by now. He took his own vest off of him and put it on my chest. His own his own flak jacket, right? Oh my gosh! And then he dis he disappeared. Later on, he came, I guess, to check on me, or he ended up where I was. And he, the fighting really was bad. Then he uh, pulled two dead American soldiers on top of me to protect me. He left my uh, position, and later on, he returned and he took my. Rifle gave me his pistol, and as he was running away, he got shot. Wow! Uh, I, I want, I wanted to, I wanted to get up to help him. Yeah. But because of the way that the soldiers on me, I couldn't get up. Uh, darkness fell, and I never saw Pickaboy again. He died on the battlefield. Pitsenbarger is a real hero. He saved he saved many lives. Yeah. People that are living today, and I'm one of them. How many lives do you think he saved that day? Probably 40, 50. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he, he was working hard, fighting for his life, and uh, taking care of the wounded the best he could. Yeah. Now, you did you actually came? You actually saw him when he first came down on that litter, right? Yes, I met him when he came down through the to the trees in the litter, and I, I don't know what we said to each other, but we, like I said, we became friends and we were fighting together and uh, fighting for our lives. And you saw him <laughs> when he when he waved off that that helo for the final litter run. What was it like seeing that? Uh, it was, oh, it was uh, a bad feeling because I remember asking him, "Why are you here?" And he said, "Because you're here," and that just that just made me very sad at the end uh, when I saw him get shot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's 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 an incredible story. Um, I actually got to see I got a chance to see the movie as well. Now, now Pitts, he wasn't the only one that received medals for gallantry. He wasn't even the only one that received the Medal of Honor, right? No, there was uh, James Robinson. He was in my squad, and he also received the Medal of Honor. Gotcha. Who are some other men that may have not that may have not you know, we may not know like Pittsburgh and Robinson that, that should, that shouldn't be forgotten. from. Well, there's day. a couple of them. Lieutenant George Steinberg got the uh, distinguished service cross. He was killed. And then there's a story, a little, many people don't even know. And, and these fragments of stories come together as uh, years. I was involved with the 16th infantry association for, for many years, served as a vice president and, uh, quartermaster first. I got a lot of documents and stuff that 
most people didn't weren't privy to see or, or didn't see. They could, now they could get them, of course. Because, uh, but anyway, uh, that uh, during one of the attempts to overrun us, so when Pittsburgh got uh, killed, a lot of guys were out of ammo, and a Sergeant Bosey Gerald, badly wounded, threw a tear gas canister, which which ended their assault and backed them out. But they they had actually penetrated. Uh, the perimeter at that point, and, mm. and I don't really think too many people are aware that uh, that Bosey Gerald's actions may have saved a bunch of people, also. Wow, Fred. And you know, to this to this day, uh, the pilot the pilot has said that had William Pittsburgh got on the litter, that because of the weight of the soldiers that were already uh, in the helicopter, that he he might be able to not be able to take off with the weight. Wow. Wow. So he literally gave up his own weight on that litter, on that final run. Yes, that's that's what he did. He it just he didn't want to leave. That's amazing. It's amazing. He almost I I wish I would have been able to meet him. He sounds like a a great a great great man. So I you know, I could like to set the stage a little bit more on this. The triple the triple canopy jungle was so so thick that there were nowhere for army dust offs to land. Hueys, yeah, and there was no one in the area that was equipped with winches. So the Air Force pararescue guys out of Benoit got the call. So the perimeter was formed under ever increasing fire, and uh, it, so the perimeter was like a more almond shaped or or. Uh, football shaped in a, a circle okay it was probably a hundred and hundred hundred ten meters long and only 40 meet 40 meters wide wow. and where where the pickup point which the exo ken alderson was running for the evacuation spot yeah and triage where they decided who should go out next and uh, so the 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 air force huskies arrived and lowered their litter baskets down a uh, litter basket down and picked up some soldiers. Uh, I think two. They could pick up two or three in uh, each load. And one, there was two of them. One moved out, and then went to an aid station, and the second moved in. And the second run in, and I was about 20 meters from where the uh, triage uh, station was, and so I could observe and hear the noise of the the huskies overhead when they when they came in and drew my attention away. from other things and a second run in uh when the first uh two our husky hovered overhead i saw this guy coming down on a cable there would have been you know like 20 30 guys that were easily visible besides there was a half a dozen guys in the uh, aid station helping load people into the letter and the second the second run in bill pittsburgh came down and uh Years later, I had the pleasure of knowing his commander, the captain at the time, Hale Salem, who retired as a lieutenant colonel, and he warned Pitts about how uh, hot it was down there, and he sure go down, wanted to go down there, but uh, Bill, Bill made the decision he was going to go down there and did, and yeah. hit the ground and started aiding people, taking care of people. And uh, so he helped load up. Uh, uh, load out of there, and and when they departed again a while later, they came back for another load, 
and as they moved over the hole where they were picking up people, the Viet Cong opened up on them and, and sure. uh, tore into the fuselage of the, the Huskies. Sure. And at that point, they were waving for Bill to get a pits to get into the litter and get out of there. And and, and I witnessed this. He, he waved, them, waved them off. And the late 90s, a guy named Parker Hayes from the Air Force Museum in uh, Wright-Patterson contacted me and several other people and asked us if we could and would write a statement in support of Bill Pitsenberger getting the Medal of Honor. So I, I wrote one of the statements for him to get the Medal of Honor. And then, of course, in 2000, it finally happened. Yeah. Why was it important for you both to to be able to contribute to that? How important was it? Well, I mean, this guy literally gave his life up for people he didn't even know. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't have to come down there. He made the decision to come down there and and rescue people that that he had no uh, no personal contacts with before that. Yeah. Pittsburgh knew uh, when he got the call what the situation was like. That, like I said uh, before, uh, the model is so others may live. Yeah. He he knew he knew it was a bad situation, but he still volunteered to come out. Now he got the Air Force Cross. He was he received the Air Force Cross posthumously after after the battle. Why? Why the why upgrade it to the Medal of Honor? Why is it that why is it that important for both of you? Uh, it's important to me because because he gave his life to yeah. save many American soldiers. Well, he deserved the Medal of Honor, yeah. and and he was originally put in for the Medal of Honor, and it was downgraded to the Air Force Cross, and. Uh, Oh, everybody was always kind of disappointed that uh, it was downgraded. Uh, I mean, certainly the criteria or the what he sacrificed was, was deserved the Medal of Honor. I, reckon I ended up the next day doing the evacuation on the same helicopter that Pitching Butter came down on the day before. Oh, no way. Uh, yes. And they took me to the hospital, and a couple of days later, the pilots came to, to visit me in the hospital. Yeah. And at that time, I recommended uh, Pittsburgh for the Medal of Honor. Yeah. So I mean, I've lost track of time, but I submitted the recommendation again. Yeah. And John Boehner, Speaker of the House, got my recommendation. They gave it to President Clinton, and it was approved. Got you. Did you both attend the Medal of Honor ceremony back in 2000? Yeah, we did. What what was that yeah. like? Well, it was very emotional, and at the same time, a celebration of uh, actually getting this done. Gotcha. Fred? Like Phil said, it was very emotional. Uh, his, he was with us one day, and the next day he was gone. Yeah. Uh, but he, he deserved the Medal of Honor, and the sadness turned to uh, happiness when he got the Medal of Honor. Gotcha. Now, both battles, both the one in Vietnam and and your battle to upgrade the medal have been made into a movie that's coming out January 24th, The Last Full Measure. How were you both contacted to advise on the film? I was I was called by Todd Robinson and... The director? Me, yes. Oh, wow. Like, uh, like directly? He just directly you, called you? And Julian Adams also. All three of them. I gave you the story. 
and they made the movie about uh, Operation Abilene. Gotcha. Phil? Yeah, that was uh, right after the Medal of Honor ceremony. Todd and Sydney were at a uh, at a pararescues function, and somebody informed them that they, they had to they had to see this story about this William Pitzenberger guy, and so they they got involved in it. And then shortly, yeah, maybe uh, like three four months after the Medal of Honor ceremony, Todd Robinson and Sydney Shoreman called me on a a joint call and asked me to. Uh, about getting involved and they were thinking about doing a movie. So I stayed involved with them the the whole 18 years it took this to get made. Wow. Now, Phil, you've seen it. Fred, have you seen it? Uh, Yes, I've seen it three times. It's a good movie, a good war movie. It's a true story. Yeah, everybody needs to see it. Gotcha. For veterans or, or for other people that go see it, what do you hope that they get out of the film? I hope they get a picture of what, what, you know, all the bad press that Vietnam veterans got when they came home and all the bum feelings that people uh, put up. I, I would like them to learn that what what truly for a bunch of young kids stuck in a, a dire circumstance, what, the, what it was like and the heroism that what people gave of themselves in, in, in the most dire situations. So you, I told I told the story thousands of times. Whenever I go, go out of the house, I wear my uh, Purple Heart uh, yeah. hat, and, I, and I'm stopped by, on a daily basis, I'm stopped by someone who thanks me for my service, and sometimes they, they even mention that you didn't get this recognition when you came back in Vietnam because everybody was against the war. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, sir. Thank you for what you did. Now, did you, you know you both experienced the the post Vietnam War, the sentiment when you guys both came home in uniform? Oh yeah, yeah. when we landed in uh, Travis Air Force Base in uh, San Francisco, uh, the the hippies were out throwing yeah. stuff at us, cussing at us. We uh, really had to be restrained by the security uh, at the airport. It's a sad situation because of what we had gone through, and now we were welcomed home in that manner. Gentlemen, I I say this to every Vietnam veteran I I, I come across on this podcast, and I can I can only imagine what would what it would be like coming home from war to something like that. The cross that you guys bore for me is the reason that we get we received the support that we had today as as post nine eleven veterans. You know, I didn't, I didn't experience right. any of that when I came back home. And I like to think it was because of the cross that you guys bore. So thank you for that. Yeah, I think it was a learning lesson. And now yeah. I find that I've, I've had the opportunity to talk on, uh, on, on Vietnam in front of a matter of fact, I did both battalions of the regiment, uh, a, uh, stand up on a stage before uh, both of them. And they're interested now from a historical aspect and, and not critical of, of a critical aspect of, yeah. of uh, the war. So not a political it, aspect. And that a, is, yeah. It's, yeah, that's a good experience. What is one thing that both of you learned in service that carry with you today and what you do today? 
probably a lot. I mean, it's a, a, a transitional period, but I guess that one thing that I have learned is I, I got to be true to myself and, and, and what not let people's ill feelings that are there dictate the rest of your life for you that uh, we had to uh, pick up and go on. Uh, and I've always had pride in my service, even when we were uh, looked down upon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Both, of, both of my sons are currently lieutenant colonels. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That's yeah. awesome. And one act of just in time to go to Iraq in 2003 with the 101st. Actually, he was the last XO of uh, the 2nd Battalion, 16th Infantry, our, Your old... our battalion in Vietnam. He was, uh, and before they deactivated it again about four years ago. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Fred, is there something that I you think, learned? Think, sort of... Go ahead. I think, we, I think we all learned a lesson from all of this, uh, both the people that were demonstrating and, and those of us who served in Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Gentlemen, are there any veterans or veteran nonprofits that you think are doing good in the veteran community that you think other people sh or other organizations should emulate? It could be a person. It could be an organization. In my, in my case, I think it was uh, DAV that, that helped me and, and does a lot for the Vietnam veterans as well as uh, other veterans. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that I, I also think that the, now, through the struggles of Vietnam veterans, the DAV offers some uh, excellent programs to help uh, veterans readjust. Yeah, I, you know, I belong to several veterans groups, including the American Legion and the 16th Infantry Association, and get, just getting back in touch with people who understand each other. Yeah, what's it? How, how important? Is, how important is that for those that? that it's that's very true. important because you know a lot of it. Vietnam veterans went into seclusion because of the way they were treated yeah. and to to get back with people who understand each other and make that connection and 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 let it let it work by itself touch base with people who understand we had a, a guy that just in the last last uh six months has finally got a hold of guys he was in uh, my platoon and got wounded in that battle and he's just been recently been him and I've been conversing on on uh, Facebook, and also we did a, a live chat last week on uh, face to face, and we plan on getting together next spring. That's awesome. That's awesome, Fred. How important you talked about wearing the 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 hat and and telling the story. How important is it? How cathartic is it? Cathartic for you to tell that story when people ask? Does it help you in in a, in a way? Yeah, it, it helps me. Of course, I bring back memories on my own, but it, it helps me to get it out. I've talked to large groups, doctors, the ROTC students at one of the high schools here. That's great. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us here at Born the Battle. Gentlemen, is there anything else that I may have missed that you think is important to share with any veteran or any, any listener that may listen to this conversation? Don't be afraid to get help. Get it from DAV and and others, others, other veterans talk to, have their own ideas and their own experiences, which helps you uh, further your claim for disability. 
Very good. Phil? I just, uh, they need uh, to, to embrace each other and, and remember uh, those that didn't get to come home and have the rest of their life. We need a live life for, for them, too. I served in Vietnam. I served in Iraq. No matter where you served or when, VA has benefits for veterans of every generation. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. What incredible stories. I want to thank Phil and Fred for coming on the show. Uh, I've seen the film, and I can tell you that the stories Phil and Fred told about their experiences on that fateful day in Vietnam on April 11th, 1966, are depicted in the film. For more information on the film, visit the movie's official Facebook at The Last Full Measure Film or on Instagram at TLFM Film. Should be easy to find as they're both blue checkmarked. This week, our Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is former guest, Army veteran, and Medal of Honor recipient, Benny Atkins. Now, I can recount Benny's service, but I can't do it better than the man himself, as Benny was Tim's guest on Born the Battle, episode number 114. In Tim's blog, he tells you that the action detailed in his citation has more action than most war movies. He was in battle for 38 hours and escaping for another 48. In that time, he sustained 18 wounds and fought the North Vietnamese with mortars, machine guns, recoilless rifles, small arms, and hand grenades. There is no type of veteran that deserves the designation hero more than patriots like Benny Atkins. In recent news, it came out that Benny is at war again, battling with the current scourge of this world. We thank him for everything that he has already done for us. And we pray for a quick and speedy recovery. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, please hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, pretty much any pod-catching app, not a phone, computer, tablet, or man. And for more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, RallyPoint, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I am reminded by people smarter than myself to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because every week, Born the Battle will aim to go out with something a veteran artist made. Something. Could be a song, could be poetry. Something made by veterans. If you're a veteran and would like to submit your music to the show, hit us up at podcast at VA. Gov and give us all the pertinent details and we will use your art as our outro. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you right here next week. Take care.